Do you know how much imposter syndrome is costing your business? The thing with imposter syndrome is that we don't know from the outside who is experiencing imposter syndrome at any given time. On a recent study that I carried out, employees described their experience of imposter syndrome as feeling really anxious and feeling really stressed. Imposter syndrome is known to be linked with burnout because we tend to want to hide our imposter syndrome by overworking. Another symptom of imposter syndrome is that we're not sharing our ideas and so our voices don't get heard at work and the company that we work for becomes therefore less innovative. Imposter syndrome occurs at all levels within organisations And it's especially prevalent when we start a new role, when we start a new company, and it can become really debilitating when we are promoted to a position. If you'd like to know more about the work that I do with organisations when it comes to imposter syndrome, to identifying it, to managing it, to overcoming it, please check out my website, impostersyndrome.ie. That's imposter with an E, impostersyndrome.ie. You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for leaders who put people first. The podcast covers four broad themes, engagement and belonging, performance and productivity, leadership equity, and the future of work. Everything to do with the Happier at Work podcast relates to employee retention. You can find out more at happieratwork.ie. 85% of managers say that well-being of their employees is their responsibility. They should be talking about it, which I think is a huge opportunity. You know, they, they, they take it on, managers take it on as responsibility, but they just don't know how to navigate through that. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so thrilled that you decided to tune in today. I have a real treat for you today, an absolutely brilliant guest, Anna Rasmussen. Anna is the CEO and founder of Open Blend, which is a platform for performance and coaching. Our discussion today centres around the topic of well-being, but we also looked, took a bit of a deep dive into performance and, and the, the different ways that we can measure performance. And one of the really interesting things that I took away was having a look at the three key themes which tie motivate our motivation at work, our motivational drivers and how they break into three main themes and what those things are. So that was something I really took away. You definitely don't want to miss that part of the podcast. So do stay tuned for that. The other thing I wanted to share with you is I always love getting feedback and comments from listeners. So do feel free to get involved on social media. Spotify also now has an area where you can directly interact with the podcast. So you can leave a comment, you can ask a question, you can let me know what you thought of the particular episode. So if you're listening on Spotify, do check that out. You need to click into the individual episode, but you can leave comments and thoughts uh, right there and I'll be able to reply directly within Spotify as well. Aside from that, please head over to happieratwork.ie where you'll find all of the links to my social media platforms. And do stay tuned to the end of the podcast where I'll do a wrap up of the key points that I that we covered in today's episode. Anna, you're so welcome to the Happier Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you as my guest today, especially because I saw you named as one of the, I think it was the top 50 
influencer type things by inspiring like workplaces recently spotted yeah. in that list and decided to connect with you because I knew that we had an upcoming podcast recording. Uh, do you want to tell people a little bit about your background, who you are and how you got to what you're doing today? Absolutely. Well, firstly, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Um, so my background is actually coaching. Uh, I've been a leadership development coach for 16, 17 years now. Um, uh, prior to that, actually, I used to head up the L&D function at an AIM-listed um, business in the city. Um, whilst I was there, I was ass assigned a coach, sat in my coaching sessions and thought, mm, hang on a minute, this is quite good. I would quite like to uh, sit on the other side of uh, the table here. So I did my coaching qualifications, did my NLP practitioner, um, and then set up my own business. So and my business was really made up of two halves. Half of it was coaching people one-on-one. -on -one. And the other half was going into organizations and training groups of people managers how to use coaching techniques to drive the performance of their teams. Um, and I probably did that for about five years. Uh, I know now that actually that period was uh, a, 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 an absolute gem of a discovery period on where I am today because I spent so much time were in a training room, which actually is quite a confidential space actually mm -hmm. in, in businesses, um, talking to managers about managing their people, getting the best out of their people, the types of conversations they need to have. And actually, whilst I was doing that, I recognised um, well three main findings, actually. The first finding was that I would say 99% of managers have got really positive intent. They want to do a really good job. Um, however, kind of lack the confidence, I guess, um, in how to do it effectively. The second thing I noticed is that the over, over the five year period is that the reality of the types of conversations managers were having to have with their employees was broadening. So it was moving away from just having to talk about performance and deliverables and moving much more holistic. Um, so the types of conversations they needed to have, um, which was fascinating to see. Um, and then the third thing. I noticed was um, I think in coaching they call it the door handle moment, but pretty much, I would go seventy percent, seventy percent of the managers that walked out of the room said, "Anna, today was fantastic. Do you have a framework I can use on the job?" Um, and you know I think in you know from that sort of L and D world we're acutely aware that um, you know however good the theory is the majority of that is lost very, very quickly if it's not put into practice. So what these managers are essentially asking for is something that would prop them up in the moment, give them the confidence to have a really good conversation with their direct report. So I thought, hang on a minute, I can see a big problem here. Um, I can see that managers need support on the job um, and I can see these conversations are broadening. So what can I do um, to, he to help solve that problem? Um, and that's where software came in. So um, I thought, well, if I can create a platform which uh, a manager uses for their direct report that guides them through a conversation. Um, I wonder if that would work. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's where the concept of Open Blend was born. So I'm now the CEO and founder of Open Blend. Um, we started out as a coaching tool um, where we enabled managers and employees to talk about well-being, so their happiness, confidence, ability to manage stress and their motivational drivers. So the things that had to be fulfilled in order for them to perform to the best of their ability um, at work. Um, and we, we went um, out to market with that. We got great feedback from customers 
very quickly. After a couple of years, um, our customers came to us and said, right, we're having fantastic conversations in open blend around well-being and motivation, but we're then having to shut the system down to have a conversation about performance elsewhere. Is there any way you could put performance into open blend and support us with the same frameworks that you have to have conversations around performance? So we did that and actually very naively in 2017 uh, became a performance management tool, which is a whole nother world to being a coaching tool. Um, and uh, but it's great. We, you know, we're today a performance management tool with, with a twist. Rather than just looking at performance, we enable conversations around well-being, um, motivational drivers, development, feedback, um, and performance and reviews as well. But, we, but there are kind of real um, – the, the, the aspect of it that I'm so passionate about is ensuring that people are having really valuable conversations – that are structured in such a way that they leave with actions that are going to make their experience at work better. Brilliant. So from everything you're saying, it sounds like it's it's really a tool to hold those conversations so that people at the end of the session, at the end of the discussion, they both walk away knowing what has been discussed and what needs to happen next and having yes. tools to be able to implement what has been discussed and the actions that they have to take. Would that be fair to say? I think so. It's, it's about um, uh, structure. So we, we talk a lot about the conversation funnel. Um, so where Open Blend really comes into play is that it supports how a conversation should be. So it supports managers and employees to organise their one-to-ones. Mm. I know that sounds silly, but just even getting them in the diary, you know, having them scheduled. We support recurring um, one-to-one bookings. We integrate with calendars. We integrate with comms tools like um, Teams and Slack and so that it, it pops up in people's feeds, you know, when they've got sessions coming up and reminding them to prepare, which leads on to the second part, which is about supporting them to prepare for a one-to-one. So if you'll know, if you've been on the receiving end of a, a one-to-one where your manager's winging it, <laughs> um, you can tell, right? So we really support both parties to prepare for those one-to-ones. Um, and we do, we support agendas. So everyone's one starts with an agenda. You need to create that agenda. Um then we help ensure that they're focusing on the right thing. So there's lots of there's a few different modules in Open Blend. So you don't have to have well-being, you don't have to have motivation, you don't have to have performance. You can switch on whichever modules you'd like to. But then in the moment we guide them. So we use the coaching frameworks in there. We use the Grow model. Uh, we use the Wheel of Anything. So um, the individual's data, if you like, is um, distributed through these coaching frameworks to support the conversation that re- enables them to lead create actions and those actions are owned they are um uh, time bound um and uh yeah they're, they're very clear so and when the action is due for uh, um completion then you'll get pinged out on your uh, preferred comms channel um as well to remind you to get it so it's we we try as much as possible to interact with people um yeah love that and so i suppose for me one of the things that I think back, definitely been on the receiving end of a manager who was winging it, absolutely 100%. (laughs) But equally, you know, just for full disclosure, I'm sure I have been, I'm sure I definitely have been that manager who has been winging it. And if I think about the kind of conversations, whether it's a weekly one-to-one or a quarterly check-in that I used to run when I was in a corporate environment, like they were really 
lacking in any sort of structure. It was kind of, they weren't really developmental. They were just like, and here's what I've been doing for the last three months or here, you know, and here's some feedback on how you're performing and how you you may consider improving. So I'd love to get your thoughts on the specifics, I suppose, around those performance conversations that we should be having beyond the immediate feedback, but like during those one-to-one sessions, uh, whether it's a weekly catch-up, whether it's a quarterly or an end-of-year review, I'd love to get your thoughts around performance conversations. Yeah, so, th- so conversations, I think, um, you know, what, one size doesn't fit all. Um, everybody is different. Everybody needs to talk about different things at different times. Um, so we really push an employee-led agenda. Now, the manager can add to that agenda, but we re- we push through sort of nudges and notifications that the employee is putting what they want on the agenda. So, and then when you log into the system, you have your agenda there. So the way they create their agenda is from the modules that sit in the tool. So if they want to talk about well-being, they can click on well-being and it would sit as an agenda item. If they wanted to talk about a particular motivational driver that they have so it might be effective team or it might be sense of belonging at work and if they wanted to talk about that they could pop it onto the agenda so it's already there so if it might be about a specific performance deliverable it might be about a piece of feedback so the agenda is made up of sort of different content that sits in the platform to create a very unique um uh but the structure isn't unique because the structure follows an agenda and you you go through the the the, the framework but that what the content is is unique mm. to every individual yeah. um which i think is really key because you don't want it to be formulaic you want mm. to talk about different things at different times so yeah. you know it, it, weekly you'll have a um more of a check-in type yeah. ses- uh, conversation monthly yeah. it might be a bit more of a deeper dive quarterly it might be focused on developmental aspects mm. um and then we have something called evaluate which is a sort of a roundup it has a roundup um uh, vibe to it um to look back and what you're going to take forward into the next time frame so yeah. um i think each each one-to-one should be a bit different otherwise it gets a bit stale doesn't it? A bit boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i love that idea that it's not it's not formulaic it follows a structure but the content can actually change it up depending on the needs of the employee and you're so right it should be led by the employee as opposed to the manager saying here's everything obviously they will have some input into what gets talked about as well or or what the discussion is yeah Um, but i love this and it kind of also puts the responsibility in the hands of the employee because i know oftentimes employees look to managers to kind of determine what's going to be talked about to determine the course of their career essentially so yeah. it's really great to see this. It's almost a shift in responsibility of I need to manage this conversation and I need to make this conversation work for me. Yeah, I think I think the, the need for employees leading this is enhancing as managers are becoming more and more squeezed. I think the manager role as conversations are broadening, as employee expectations are, you know, getting getting more and more and with now the remote working hybrid working um managers are all individual contributors mm. pretty much yeah, as well exactly, and yeah. i think it's, it's just becoming more and more intense the man the the manager roles typically they don't really have any support or any training or mm. um anything like that either so i think it, there's more and more pressure um for employees to be taking the lead on these some of these conversations yeah well. yeah it does then it, it it does alleviate some of that thinking on the behalf of the manager then as well yeah. 
because like you say, I think there's more pressure. They're the squeezed middle where they they are dealing with what's coming from senior leadership, but they're also dealing with what's coming from their own employees as well. In addition to having that individual contributor role, like you say, so they're actually managing that kind of their their own day to day work, which, you know, probably have a completely separate conversation about whether that's the right approach, whether managers should be managing people as well as doing the the kind of the day to day stuff as well. That's a whole other conversation, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, I think it's worth remembering that every manager that an individual has, they are the employee to another manager. So all the conversations that you're having with your manager, they're then they're having those as well with theirs and, and yeah. the chain goes on. So yeah. um, And sometimes we forget that, I think. We forget that our managers are having maybe the same struggles that we are, but but they're not necessarily verbalizing them to us in the interest of remaining professional or or being strong or whatever that might be. Yeah. And I and I think the the type the types of conversations that managers are having to have, you know, they, they are becoming more um personal they are becoming more holistic and you know and and managers shouldn't be taking on anyone else's problems or anyone else's um uh areas of concern or personal issues you know there has to be that kind of boundary with a manager and i think and that's really important they can't you know be, te- be absorbing all of this information from say you've got five direct reports taking all of that on that's quite you can very easily become quite overwhelmed um, with all of that so actually ensuring that the conversations are structured and on point where you can show that you care you could be having the right kind of conversations but it's right what's the next topic that we're going to be talking about so you're yeah. keeping it um within a professional capacity yeah there's definitely so much more that's happening like people are being a lot more open in the workplace certainly uh, in the five years since I've been working in corporate, talking about things like mental health, um, yeah. talking about things like periods at work, talking about menopause, that was definitely, that word wasn't even uttered, I'd say, when yeah. I was in corporate. Our, what well-being looked like, I think we had a well-being month or maybe a well-being week, uh, where if it was a month, then it was one thing a week over the course of four weeks. If it was a week, then it was maybe four days worth of um you know, one hour workshops each day or something like that. And I, I can see yeah. how much things have progressed and developed even in that short time yeah. where people have massive programs to support well-being. Yeah, but I think, you know, I mean, I've got, I've got some in, interesting facts. I was uh, talking um, recently around um, well-being um, strategy and the importance of manager conversations in well-being strategy. So, um uh, there's a piece of research was done recently. 69% of managers are uncomfortable communicating with their employees, which is terrifying. And only 14% of employees feel comfortable talking to their manager about stresses that they're feeling. Um, so you can see there's a problem here right? when yeah. it comes to kind of well-being is that Managers don't feel comfortable talking. Individuals don't feel comfortable talking to their managers. But yet 85, I think it's 84, 85% of managers say that well-being of their employees is their responsibility. They should be talking about it, which I think is a huge opportunity. You know, they, they they take it on. Managers take it on as responsibility. But they just don't know how to navigate through that. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think, as you say, it's, it's, they've kind of been thrust into this kind of um, new, um, breadth of conversation that they need to be having and they just need they need support in order to do that absolutely absolutely 
And one of the things that we talked about before we started recording is this concept of belonging at work. That's something that I've been interested in for a long time because I found myself in a few situations where I really didn't belong and I wasn't performing at my best. And I would have loved to have the opportunity to, I suppose, to, you know, it's so easy to look back um, with 2020 vision and be like, that was that's what was happening there or that's what went wrong. But when you're in the moment, it's much more difficult. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this concept, the kind of general concept of belonging at work, what it means, how it's evolved and maybe how to how to achieve more of that in the workplace. Um, so we um, so I've, I've mentioned before that we um, have a, a module around motivation. And in this in this module, the employee um, is asked to choose between four and six depending on the settings of their key drivers. So the things that need to be fulfilled in order for them to perform at the best of their ability at work. Um, And there are 31 that they can choose from. One of those is sense of belonging at work. So we have got some interesting data um, around what sense of belonging at work means to people. So um, the, the, the premise is that I've mentioned before, no two people are the same. So actually a sense of belonging at work could mean something very different to you as it does to myself. And, you know, and, and it's really important that the manager understands what that individual's definition of a sense of belonging at work is. Um, but what that means is that we get oversight into all the data and ha- we, I can look very easily at themes um, of what a sense of belonging at work means to people, which I actually really wanted to share today because I think it's it's interesting. Um so uh, I thought I would just uh, go in and yeah have a look at the themes. And there's there's three key themes in here. So thousands and thousands and thousands of definitions, right? <laughs> um, but the key themes are, um, firstly, uh, at a macro level, I guess, so aligning with company culture, alignment with company culture. So looking at the, the organisation as a whole. The second layer is more like mid-layer, is that belonging to a team, that sense of family, um, that belonging to the team. And then the third one is being able to be an individual. So it kind of plays out on three levels, which I think is really interesting. So if we look at those individually, so um, aligning the company culture, the kind of words that people are using in there is part of something bigger, a sense of pride for the company I work for, um, uh, uh, alignment with the company goals, so understanding the strategic vision, being part of that, understanding how they contribute to the bigger picture, which I thought was quite interesting, just that it's sort of quite very broad kind of sense. Then the, the, the team, the sense of belonging was about reliance, was about trust, was about sharing a common goal, was about communication. So then and a lot of kind of the word family and um, that sort of belonging in a team um, came out of that. And then the individual, um, which I think we, we know we focus on a lot when it comes to kind of now inclusion some of the fantastic work that's going on around ensuring that you know in- inclusion is is um is uh, front of mind but that was very much about um which i was quite surprised with this one as well is is around um success contribution um feeling involved um in in what's being delivered um knowing that i'm really important my role is really important um being perceived as hard to replace um, so I think that's really like there's a neat there was a kind of the sense of belonging. I think there's a um, uh, an essence of need in there as well, feeling like the, the jigsaw isn't complete without them in it. 
mm. um, against delivery, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so that the contribution that they make is really important. Yes. I'm, I'm intrigued because on the individual side, I would have thought some sort of a um, relation to authenticity would have been in there as well. So this individual being able to bring their whole selves to work. Yes, I think, um, yeah, they, I mean, there was, I mean, yes, I mean, there was aspects of that as well. It was but actually Just less than less, the contribution. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, that they're, they're heard and that they can be themselves. Absolutely. That that was in there as well. Um, but yeah, sort of high, uh, sort of maybe a less uh, common. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was less common that that, that that was there. It was very much around contribution, which I yeah. thought was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and I think what I sensed from that, because, you know, I think we know we can look at sense of belonging and the work that a company's doing that, that happens in a team, but that happens on an individual level as well. But what I thought was really fascinating about this is that th this is, these are their definitions that are put in to a tool that's going to enable them to talk to their manager about it. Yeah. So they've identified it as a driver, defined it in a way that's important to them, and then they're going to sit and talk to their manager about it. Um, and it just goes to show, I think, the, the strength and the power of these conversations between a manager and employee is that, you know, really, you know, even if it's at a company level, the manager needs to talk to the employee about it. It's at a team level, the manager needs to talk to the employee about it. It's at an individual level, they need to talk to the manager about it. So it's at all levels, it all comes into this conversation yeah. um, with the manager, which is fascinating. The managers are just, this, you know, they're right there at the coalface, aren't they? Well, this is it. The manager, you know, influences your direct experience of work for the most part. There's, there's no other individual that you work with that would influence your experience of the workplace quite as much as your manager does, whether that's a positive experience or a negative experience, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you have positive, because I've been in this situation before, I had fantastic relationships with my peers and then just have a terrible relationship with my manager for one reason or yeah. another, you know, just, a, you know, maybe a personality conflict or something like that. So it's so important. And I love how you've described these teams at that level. It's kind of that organization. So the organization and it, interestingly, Anna, it ties in so much with the work that I do as well. So for me, at the organizational level, it's so important that people's values align with those of the organization. You've talked about it from a sense of goals. That's also a, a key driver of this sense of fit and belonging in the workplace. Do do Is the organization trying to achieve something that you're trying to achieve as well, or that you feel like yeah. you're having this, you know, you're contributing to something bigger than yourself, essentially? Um. You know, this sense of having a team and family. And I know like some people kind of roll their eyes a little bit when you talk about being part of a family when you're at work. But for me, I have yeah. had that experience where I've really felt, you know, a, a personal relationship with the people I worked with. And that was one of the best places that I ever worked. We were getting invitations around to people's houses in the evenings, you know, as team building stuff. Like it was just amazing. And I absolutely loved that. Um, but being able to trust people, being able to feel like you can rely on them, because I again, I've been in situations where I feel like someone has my back and I've been in situations where I really can't rely on people, either that they don't have my back, that they're saying stuff about me behind my back or that you don't you're not sure whether the work will get done if you're yes. not actually there doing it yourself. Yeah. Um, and then this idea of being hard to replace or trying to understand the 
impact that that taps into a core need that we have for understanding the impact that we're having either internally to our internal clients or having that impact on our external clients. So knowing that the work that we do is important, but if we weren't there to do it, and this is where feedback I think is really critical, if we're not there to carry out that work, then someone else couldn't do it to the same standard or they wouldn't do it the same way. So our unique contribution is actually really important and getting that type of feedback, specific feedback as to what you do differently, what strengths you bring to the role, I think is so, so crucial. Yeah, and I I guess as you're talking there, I'm just thinking actually um, being perceived as hard to replace, uh, that that really jumped out at me, that definition. And actually, is that that deeper than... um, being able to be my authentic self it's kind of beyond that isn't it so if I can be myself then I'm and I'm I'm doing such a fantastic job in there that um you it's not very going to be very easy to replace me it's almost a one step further along um yeah. I think which is just interesting it's yeah. almost from you know if we if we take beyond that it's almost like authenticity is a given that yeah. that in yeah. these organizations it they have created that environment where it is okay to be myself and I'm showing up. And so therefore, if it's not a need that's being thwarted, if it's not a need that, that people are, you don't notice it because it's, it's not there essentially as in the inauthenticity. So I think maybe that's playing a factor in it. And therefore this idea of the impact that you're having through the work that you're doing becomes super, super important. Yeah, I think yeah, absolutely. The other thing that I noticed when I when I was uh, when you kind of look at these definitions is is the use of the word feeling, and how this is is a purely kinesthetic. You know, you and, and also when and when you try and understand a feel a feeling that again puts the, the um, emphasis on the importance of conversation because you need as a manager if someone feels that this is what a sense of belonging means to them, then they need to understand what that is. Yes. So how can you support them mm. to achieve that and to feel that if yeah. you're not asking the right questions and understanding what yeah. that is? Yeah. Um, it's it's giving people a language because like this is something I often say that if you asked me five years ago, what are your needs at work? I would have no idea. But if you ask me, what are your frustrations or what are the things that kind of annoy yeah. you? I think people can open up quite easily yeah. about that. Like where what are the areas that really... Uh, that frustrates you that that are causing block blockages for you yeah. at work or, or blocks for you at work and um, people can probably talk about that kind of stuff all day but yeah. it's but it's turning that around and saying okay so what is the need here that's not being met or what it what's what is it that we need to address here in order to make sure that you feel that you can do your job to the best of your ability essentially yeah. And that, I mean, that that's a coaching term called reframing. Um, so, you know, you have people that are, find it very, very easy to talk about how they want it to be. And then you have other people that find it really easy to talk about how they don't want it to be. Yeah. So um, for a manager who is supporting an individual who is talking a lot about, um, well, actually, the, the individual might not even be talking about it. If they don't have that sense of belonging at work, they're disengaged, they're demotivated, they're potentially looking for some another job then that individual is, you know, there's a third camp where these people aren't going to talk um, about it. So you need to kind of maybe look, which is harder when we're working hybrid, but look for other cues and signs where maybe some, you know, someone isn't feeling that sense of belonging and therefore they are disengaging. 
they are demotivated, they are yeah. starting to look for something else, and you have to go off almost body language um, and a lack of effort yeah. um, in order to pick up the conversation from from there. So, yes, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's about reframing it, supporting people to reframe yeah. how to look at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for calling that out. I think it's really important because, yeah, some people can easily say what they want and other people, they they know more what they don't want rather than what they yeah. do want. But then also watch out for those people who are actually already disengaged and yeah. on their way out the door and, you know, maybe try and do something to turn that conversation around a little bit or turn the, turn the thinking around even to engage in a conversation. And I think, and I think that's another. I mean, obviously, you can you you can do this in other ways. You don't need to to use software to do this. I um, mean, anything that prompts a conversation. Um, in Open Blend, you have uh, the as we mentioned before, the manager or the employee have the ability to put something on the agenda. So, if an individual has chosen a sense of belonging at work or um, uh, uh, an effective team or uh, development plans or uh, recognition or, you know, there's lots of different things they can choose. If a manager can, is kind of sensing that there's something a little bit awry with that, they can put that on the agenda. So there mm. straight away you're saying, right, you've you've chosen a sense of belonging at work. This is your definition of it. This is where you currently are scoring and this is where you need it to be. Let's have a conversation about that gap. So you, it makes it very, very easy for the manager to pick up that conversation mm. um, and put it on the table and give people permission to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think simply having that type of tool creates that safe environment for people. You know, it gives them the language. It gives them the, it's almost like, we're not talking about this directly. We're, we're following, we're following a framework here to help us talk more easily talk about what it is that that maybe we'd find it hard to talk about if if it was in any other situation. Yeah, and I, yeah, and and I think also the other the other um, aspect that I think is really interesting here is that um, now we've talked about the three kind of main themes of what a sense of blogging means, and um, and on an individual level, it's about. Um, doing important work and uh, respected for the work, appreciated for the work, that they're contributing su to success, that there's that kind of that trust there. So all of that is actually based around um, sort of clarity. So I, I think managers, it's really, I think managers should feel really empowered that they're in a position to create clarity and transparency about what an individual needs to deliver against. So, you know, you can think as a manager, you can sit there and think, oh, gosh, sense of belonging at work. What does that mean? How, you know, it's all kind of feely and touchy. And I don't really know. It's not me. It's the company and, you know, the policies we have and the values that we have as a company. How do I influence that? But actually, page one of a manager is making sure that the individual's got absolute clarity on what they need to do to contribute to the bigger picture. Yeah. That bit a manager should find easier easy to do yeah, I was gonna say um yeah, yeah so uh I, I don't think they find it easy I think they find it easier, <laughs> yeah, easier. To, to, to have that. <laughs> um so you know create that make that really clear really help an individual understand how what they do contributes into the bigger picture mm. because that that of you know based on the definitions that we've got in the tool that's a massive contributor to a sense of belonging at work yeah. Um, and that's something completely in the power of, of the manager because they'll know what their deliverables are and it obviously needs to be broken down in the team. Yeah. So Yeah, and I would say for a manager, if they don't know what the expectation is on them, that they need to go and seek that out and seek clarification 
yeah. on what the expectation on them is. And then they need to, with their team, and sometimes it's it doesn't seem obvious or you think by giving someone a job description or talking about their tasks or their duties, but you need to make that connection on an individual basis from what someone does on, um, you know, a, their very specific role and how that contributes to the team, to the department, to the overall organization to show that they yeah. matter. And then, you know, even above and beyond that, giving them feedback to say, what do they do differently or what unique strengths do they bring to that role that they're actually doing? Yeah. And I think um, tying all of that together, you know. is is kind of page one, isn't it? We, we <laughs> built, we, built um, we, we like, listen to our customers all the time and we'd always doing user interviews and to, like listening to talking to employees and I'm very very aware of how uh, the workforce is shifting and how expectations are shifting because it's, it's my job right I need to make sure that the product is is meeting that and is yeah. enabling today's workforce to thrive not yesterday's um, and uh, a key a key finding that we found is uh, uh, in our objectives area um is we had it just individual objectives um but everyone was saying i just need to understand how i contribute to the bigger picture i need to understand so we've created cascading well alignment on an individual to a team to accompanying goals so every time you go into one of your goals you can see what it feeds into mm. now that, that I, I don't i mean it's not that isn't um unique at all um majority of hr software where you're putting goals in there will have that whether or not managers or employees, um, let's look at managers, whether or not managers place any value on that, I don't know. But I, I would love managers to know that that actually is really important. Yeah. It's really important for an individual to understand how they contribute to the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Not not just on sense of belonging, but on motivation and engagement and um, sense of satisfaction. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was going to ask you, Anna, about these other motivating factors. Now, we probably don't have a enough time to go into all of them but I'd love to know if, if there's a few that kind of stand out for you so we have one of the motivational factors is this sense of belonging are there any yep. you know and I don't expect you to go through all 31 of them either so yeah, maybe no, right. one, one or two others that that sort of stand out for you as being more I was going to say more important and it's not that they're more important but maybe the ones that you see being utilized more often than others yeah I think probably the the um uh, I, I will answer that based on how popular they are. Yes. Um, so with, that's, with all that's the, what I was with, trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> with all the kind of tens of thousands of users that we have, you know, what what are they choosing of things that are most important to them? So, well, health and exercise mm. has always been at the top. Um, but it's a really funny one because it doesn't, the scores, scoring on it never really fluctuates, um, but everyone's got it in as one of their drivers. Mm. So, Sometimes it's always there and sometimes I kind of discount it because it, I think it's just it's mostly a given. Most people have got health and exercise on there, which is great. And people are talking about it and all the rest of it. But it's it's um, after that, the I think the second um, most popular important is making a difference at work. Mm. Um, and again, that um, kind of really feeds into everything we've just been talking about, isn't it? It does. Um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So if people feel they're making a difference. Um, clear career goals and direction um, is probably in the top five. Um, so people really understand what they're doing. Effective team tends to be uh, very high. Um, interestingly, 
um, this is really interesting, actually. Before COVID, money was in the top five, and it had been. So we we launched um, 2014. So from 2014 to beginning of lockdown, money was always in the top five. And then over lockdown, it's gone, right, I think it's at like number eight or nine mm. now. It's incredible how yeah. people's perceptions have changed, um, that money is is no longer a, a, like the one of the most popular driving factors that's gone down. It's been replaced by things like making a difference at work. Yeah. And which is fascinating. Is that is that because, and you know, when I talk about this anecdotally, it's great to kind of hear some real anecdotal evidence around yeah. that as well. But is it because people have kind of, started to rethink what work means in their in their lives and, and starting to think about, well, it's not just about the money. It's actually yeah. about the impact that I'm going to have through the work that I do. Yeah, I, I, 100%. Yes, I, 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 completely. And I, I think it, it was, a um, you know, whether or not it's going to change again now with the, with the cost of living and, you know, I think the pendulum potentially is going to be moving back the other way. Um, but can I see where it is today but absolutely people reevaluated what was important to them and actually that and that time with friends and family is another very very popular um driver um that comes up so um but it's, it's worth re- repeating that all of these are redefined by the individual so we yes. give some tips on what they kind of mean and then but it's it it's we do not let people progress through unless they redefine it for themselves because it is such an important um aspect of the conversation um you know i couldn't sit down with you and talk and say you you know yours was making a difference at work i couldn't sit down with you have a conversation with you unless i knew what that really meant to you yeah um so it's a brilliant way for a manager to get to know and understand an employee as well yeah, it is it could, yeah. like to me it gives it gives a language and a structure around a conversation that's happening anyway if you like, you yeah. know, uh, I was going to say most organizations, let's say most good organizations or all good organizations are having those types of regular catch ups with between managers and, and employees, whether those managers are managers of managers, whatever it yeah. might be. Um, but yeah, really interesting. Um, and the question I ask everyone when they come on the podcast, what does being happier at work mean to you? I love this question. So. And I've been thinking about it. I think, first of all, it means a lot to me because I've dedicated a huge chunk of my career to exactly this. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, so I'm, I'm very passionate about it. Um, but the reality is that it is entirely subjective um, and it changes frequently. I think happiness is a really interesting one. It's, it's a very fluid um, state. Um, you know, what made someone at happy at work two years ago and what makes them happy at work now is probably completely different. So, you know, that level of fluidity, that change, um, I, those ebbs and flows are very, very present in that. And I think it's just really key to keep on top of it. So, for example, our capacity to manage workload will change. Mm. You know, it could change week to week, actually, and that could have a direct influence on that. Our external factors, such as a team dynamic, you might have a new person come in the team who turns out to be a complete troublemaker. And that's, you know, they're all straight away. Your your happiness levels at work have, have changed and shifted. So um, and, and sometimes I think it's you get to a point where it's just time to make a change and move on from the job you're in mm-hmm. as well. And I think yeah. that's OK, too. Mm-hmm. 
so you know your happiness changes and all that so i think what, what the where the need sort of happiness at work i think where there's a need um as a coach i'm always coming up with a solution but the solution and the need i think is that is a, a continual state of self-awareness so where am i where am i on that flow at the moment communication a really good manager who understands you and your version of the world an ear to help you adjust and um nip things in the bud i think is a is a really important when we when we talk about a lot of the um sort of well-being aspects and motivation aspects actually you know none of what we in, intend to do or the um, open blend intends to do is um uh solve something at crisis stage mm. this is all about you know preventative prevention, so yeah. yeah it's all about prevention so i think you know it happiness is it's just a moving fluid beast that i think is just really key um that you 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 take responsibility for yourself that you're self-aware of it and that you've actually have got a good manager that you can talk to about the influences on it as well because we can't control all of it yeah love it yeah. love this um and if people want to find out more about you if they want to find out more about open blend what's the best way they can do that uh, yeah, so we have we've got our own podcast. Um, nowhere near as popular as yours, but we have our own uh, series of podcasts. So um, we have newsletters that we'd love to get new people on um, that we send out every month. Um, and so, if, if anyone's has any interest at all in um, signing up on to any of those or having a further look at Open Blend, then if you can just email hello at openblend.com um, and then that will come through. Or my email is anna at openblend.com. Brilliant. So would love to hear from anybody. Love it. Thank you so much yeah. for your time today, Anna. I so enjoyed our conversation. And I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation on LinkedIn Live uh, after the podcast is released. So really looking forward to that. Thank you so much. Thank love you so the much. Conversation. That was Anna Rasmussen from Open Blend. I really hope you enjoyed and took some key nuggets from that conversation that we had. Before I dive into the summary, I wanted to remind you to get involved in the conversation. Let me know what you thought. Do share your thoughts or any aha moments that you had from today's episode. Let me know what action you'll be taking. What will you be doing differently as a result of listening to today's podcast episode? Something to ponder there. All of my social links are on the website, happieratwork.ie. I regularly post to Instagram and LinkedIn and you can also directly get involved in the conversation on Spotify. Now, let's start with this little fact that Anna shared in relation to managers, because I think oftentimes managers, they get a little bit of a bad rap. We always can, we always think about the bad boss and who is the bad boss and bosses are terrible. Anna said that 99% of managers have positive intent. So even if you do have a bad manager, maybe the intent behind them being a bad manager is positive. So they're they're coming at it from a place where they think that they're doing a good job. Um, the things that drive maybe some of the more negative behaviours in managers is a lack of confidence. And you will have heard me multiple times talking about imposter syndrome on the podcast. If you want to head back and listen to those episodes, definitely go and check those out. The other thing that she mentioned is that the types of conversations that managers are having have changed so that it's become more of a holistic conversation, whereas previously it was solely based on performance. Now there's all other aspects to consider. There's well-being, there's people, personal problems, there's mental health, there's all 
all of these different kinds of things going on for managers. They have to deal with a lot more, not forgetting that oftentimes they have to deal with their own workload as well. So they're not just managing a team, but they are also an individual contributor. They have their own workload to manage on top of all of that. As we mentioned, uh, that in, that entire concept warrants a whole other episode and it has come up time and time again on the podcast, uh, you know, whether someone should be a manager, whether they want to be a manager and whether managers should be doing an individual contributor job or just there to develop the team. Another one of the insights that I really liked from Anna was this idea of well-being being centred around happiness, confidence and the ability to deal with stress. So those kind of three pillars, we'd really liked that as a framework for thinking about well-being at work. Next, we talked about performance conversations and how whether you're using Anna software or not, that these should be employee led conversations. And I think oftentimes and, you know, I was very honest during the podcast, I've been on the receiving end, but I've also probably been driving this as well, uh, that you don't you're not really sure what to talk about in the catch ups if there's nothing in particular. But I, what I love this is that it's bringing this, you, you know what to talk about. There's a structure around the conversations that you're having and also that it is employee led. So if that's not something that you're doing at the moment, definitely something worth thinking about, bringing a fairly consistent structure, but also empowering employees to lead those kinds of performance related conversations. Some more stats then from the podcast. So 69% of managers felt uncomfortable communicating with their employees. I imagine that we didn't dive into this in a little bit more detail, but I would imagine that's in relation to having difficult conversations or maybe talking about things they don't feel necessarily equipped to talk about, which is where the importance of training managers to have those conversations actually comes in. On the other side of that, then 14% of employees don't feel comfortable sharing the stresses that they are going through. And that may be related to personal issues, but it also may be related to psychological safety in the organisation. They don't feel safe actually speaking up about what's going on for them. They may feel like they will be perceived as not able to cope or not able to handle the workload if they are coming to their manager and saying that they're feeling a little bit stressed. Now, the kind of big eye opening part of the podcast for me was picking out these three main themes. So looking at it from a alignment with the company culture, feeling like you're part of a family when you're working with your team and then working at the individual level. So thinking about well-being from those three perspectives at the organisational level, it's about feeling like you're part of something bigger than just yourself. And I know certainly I can relate to that because it's what I'm trying to do now with the podcast and create this movement around happiness at work. I have had it in past organisations that I've worked in where we are moving and sharing towards these collected goals, these collective goals. The second element then is this sense of belonging with your team. So having that reliance and trust, knowing that you have their back and knowing that they have your back as well. And then there's the individual piece. And the interesting thing here where I thought maybe authenticity would would show up there and being able to bring your full self to work. Really, it's more about understanding why your role is important and the perception that you are hard to replace. So what makes you and the work that you do unique and how do you uniquely support that organisation? 
This is something I talk about time and time again on the podcast and the importance of delivering specific feedback, especially when that feedback is positive and explicitly making the connection between what someone does on a day to day basis and the contribution that they're making to the overall team, to the department, to the organisation and the impact that they're having on internal clients or on external clients. It's so, so important. And then finally, we talked about some of the other motivational factors and the interesting thing, or maybe not so interesting, because it's sort of the anecdotal evidence is there already. And, you know, from what I'm seeing from the clients that I deal with before COVID, money was in the top five of motivational factors. And now she said it's in around number eight and it's other things that are up, you know, much, much higher. So the making a difference piece is up there. That kind of ties in with what we were talking about anyway. Having clear career goals and direction, I think that's so important. There's so many people out there who don't know how to manage their careers. They're kind of relying on their their organisations to present opportunities to them or they're relying on their managers to give them opportunities. That's not really how things work in the real world, though. So, you know, empowering people to take responsibility and control over their careers and how their career develops over time, I think is so, so important. And for organisations to recognise that and to support people with managing their own careers, not necessarily spoon feeding them, but being able to support them with with empowering them through the work that they do, whether that's understanding what their strengths are, what kind of direction they should go on what type of things they should do more of, what kind of things they should do less of. So there's lots to talk about around there. And I have talked about strengths in the past and overall drivers of happiness at work. So that's it for this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed the episode today. I'd love to know what you thought. Do get involved in uh, on the social channels. Find the website happieratwork.ie and I have links to all of my social channels there. If you're listening on Spotify, do feel free to interact. As always, I really appreciate ratings and reviews to help more people find out about the podcast and really appreciate you listening. Thank you if you've got this far. Really appreciate you listening to the podcast today. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I am so glad you tuned in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love to get your thoughts. Head on over to social media to get involved in the conversation. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love if you could rate, review it or share it with a friend. If you want to know more about what I do or how I could help your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.